Welcome everybody to uh, this Monday night uh, live chat show today. I've got Alison, the physio, and all the way from Portland in Oregon, Tracy Hooper. So thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining us uh, live. And thanks for joining on YouTube and the Negotiators podcast. In these um, dark days in the winter here, it's really important that we stretch. It's really important that we do some exercises, stand up from our computers after 17 minutes and stretch. So I've asked uh, Alison Gross, my physiotherapist, to join us and to give us some exercises. So Ali, the physio, is based at uh, a sports injury clinic in Woking in Surrey. And uh, Ali, over to you for a few stretches for us. Hello, everybody. Sorry, I was just telling my husband off because he was in the background there doing the fire. Hi, everybody. Poor guy. Poor guy. So in this cold weather, it's even more important that you stretch. I've just come back from a really cold, wet dog walk. And um, actually, I thought if you don't stretch, your muscles feel so tight. So just remember, if you're going out to do any exercise, you need to stretch your calves, stretch your um, quad muscles. Do you know what, you know all these stretches? I think I'll have to show them to you again. But yes, yes, so you can't see me very well. You're going to see the top half. But if you're going to stretch the front of your thighs here. Stand back a bit if you can. Stand, stand back. back. Yep. I'll be if I stand back any further. <laughs> okay, that can't get much further than that. So you're going to hold on to the back of your, onto your foot or onto your trousers and just stretch the front of your leg. You could, should hold on to something. There's somebody there doing it too. Well done, whoever that is. <laughs> That's a few of us doing it. Stand up, as you, Derek. Stand up straight and let your thigh that you're stretching actually fall, go down level with the other leg. So you get a good pull. Oh, we got um, a frozen broadband. That was obviously a really good stretch there, Alison. Um, yeah, looks like a broadband. Uh, so we might be going over to Portland and Oregon straight away, I think, if Alison's broadband has, has uh, no, she's back in, I think. So um, must have been a good stretch if it broke the broadband in Woking. Okay, let's go, let's go to, uh, let's go straight over to Tracy. Hooper, we normally have a lot of background people uh, working all the switches. Today, we've just got me. So, Tracy, are you there? I am. Okay, fantastic. Well, let me introduce uh, Tracy Hooper, who was a CBS news anchor on the east coast of America and then uh, a reporter and ran all sorts of shows for uh, a number of years before she uh, moved to Portland in Oregon, the other side of uh, the other side of the United States. And in fact, 5,055 miles away from Lincolnshire, where our last guest last week, Kate Atkin, uh, comes from. So I looked it up, 5,055 miles, 0.4, actually, to be accurate, because we like a bit of accuracy. Uh, Tracy runs the Confident Project, Confidence Project, and she's worked with a lot of young people that really need confidence and looking at out into the world. Welcome, Tracy. Thanks so much for joining us. It's a great pleasure. Thank you, Derek, for having me today. It's early morning in Portland, Oregon, and we are known for having the gorgeous Columbia River Gorge, which is the Columbia River, which leads to the Pacific Ocean, and there's extraordinary hiking trails that you could do every day for the rest of your life and see something new. Wow. Is the Columbia River the one that goes through the Grand Canyon, or am I mixing my geography up? You're mixing your geography okay. up, but the Grand Canyon is beautiful, too. That's the Colorado River. Colorado. I knew I was close. I knew I was <laughs> close. That's brilliant. Now, news anchor um, and interviewing some high profile people. 
Tell us about that and tell us the most difficult interview you had to conduct. Well, the most difficult interview I had to conduct was after the Challenger exploded, the Challenger uh, spacecraft. Uh, I was at WFSB in Hartford, Connecticut, and Krista McAuliffe, who was the first uh, teacher in space, and it was a very big deal, as you can imagine, was from New Hampshire, and I was working in Connecticut, so very close to adjoining states. And of course, we all were in the newsroom watching the Challenger take off, and within a minute, it exploded on this, you know, crystal clear blue day in Florida, and and we all looked at each other and thought, oh my gosh, this is not the story we expected. It never is, and so my most difficult interview was talking with teachers whose children in the classroom were watching this take this experience happened because it was the first teacher in space. So we had all these young children who were watching, who watched this explosion. So of course we did not interview the children, but we interviewed teachers and principals and parents and it was heartbreaking. And it, you know, this is the 35th anniversary. I just read an article in the Wall Street Journal about the 35th anniversary of that. So that was my, that was my hardest interview. But a lot of other ones, you know, um, the expression in TV news is, if it bleeds, it leads. So we would cover house fires and murders and accidents. And one of the most difficult parts was being objective and yet being compassionate about the story. When someone's house burns down, our job is to talk with the homeowner, but that's the hardest job in the world. And my job mostly, and I'll, I talk about this often, Derek, is to listen. You know, the best reporters in the world have a short, sharp question, and then they stop talking. And um, did you get emotionally involved in any of these stories yourself? I did. I did. I did a, a whole series about lead paint poisoning in children uh, in Connecticut. And there were, you know, in the 70s and before, lead paint was common. And if you lived in a place where the paint was chipping and you had a baby who was crawling on the ground, crawling on the floor, they were eating lead paint. And, and there was all kinds of brain damage that happened accordingly. So I got very involved in that kind of story because I was talking with, parent, with parents who had perfectly healthy children who were not healthy anymore. It was hard. And so, you know, I didn't stay in news forever. I thought to myself, you know, I don't wanna chase fire engines the rest of my life. I want to do other work where I can still use my skills, but not feel like I have to um, compromise some of my values in terms of being able to be emotional and be able to be empathetic mm. to people I'm talking with. And were uh, any people rude to you? Oh my gosh, yes. Um, one of the funniest stories, it wasn't funny then, but there was a mayor, William Donald Schaefer. He was the mayor of Baltimore, Maryland, where I'm from, which is near Washington, DC. And he was, he was married to the city. He loved the city of Baltimore. He was devoted to it. He never married himself. He was a devoted servant of the city of Baltimore. And one time we had switched from twice a week garbage collection, we, the city, to once a week. And so there were reporters gathered around William Donald Schaefer. And I said to him, Mr. Mayor, please tell us why you've switched from twice a week garbage collection to once. And he said, you media people push me too hard. And he stuck his finger in my face and I was scared to death. And I just stood there with that microphone in my hand. And I thought, don't move, Tracy, don't move. He'll dig his own 
is he'll dig his own grave with this. And he yelled at me for a while. And then he sent me an email uh, when I moved to Hartford, Connecticut for another job. And he said, you know, great job at WBAL. And I thought, oh, you know, here's this guy who was so intimidating, who ended up being a support of my work. But that oh, was scary. Great. And he was rude. My next question was going to be, who was the nicest person before we switched to uh, the West Coast of the USA? Oh, the nicest person. Um, I love that question. I need to think about that. I'll come back to that. You know, I, I had the privilege of being in people's living rooms and kitchens and family rooms every single night on television. And so people felt like they got to know me in the markets where I worked. And in those days, I would say it was a kinder, gentler world. And people were not pointing their fingers at you and criticizing you. I, I will tell you a really funny story. I was uh, walking with a friend and we got into an elevator and this woman, uh, there were two women in the elevator and the door closed. And my name is Bagley, my maiden name is Bagley and that's the name I used on television. And, and this woman looked at her friend and she said, is that Tracy Bagley? And her friend said, oh no, 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 no. She's much fatter than that. <laughs> and she said, oh no, I think that is Tracy Bagley. And they were talking with me in an elevator as if I weren't there. And when we got out of the elevator, my friend said to me, Tracy, how humiliating. I said, Mary, they think of me as not a real person because I'm in their television box every night. Wow. They think I'm not human. And anyway, it makes for a great story. What did they say? Your worst experiences make your best stories. Yeah, People never yeah. want to hear about how the fabulous trip you had, the flight was flawless, you had gorgeous weather. No, they want to know that you got you know, way late and your luggage got lost and, and so forth. Well, it's a bit like doing that uh, psychology in NLP, associating and disassociating from the emotions. You almost uh, were floating in the lift by the sound of that. Oh, interesting. Exactly. Yeah, and just listening. So you, um, you got married, you had three girls and you moved right across the uh, US because of your uh, husband's uh, job now three girls that sounds like a three girls four women in the family that sounds like some tough negotiations went on there were they yeah. good negotiators your girls quite good negotiators our middle daughter eleanor should have been a lawyer she is a therapist she's a marriage and family therapist now all grown our girls uh, but eleanor was quite the negotiator and you would appreciate this derek with your background uh, one time eleanor really wanted to have a pet and henry my husband is allergic to anything with hair, with dander. So we said, Eleanor, you can't get a pet. Daddy is allergic to everything. How about a bird? No, I want something that's gonna hold still. How about a fish? No, I want something I can pet. Well, Eleanor, I'm sorry, you can't get a pet. She looked at us one day and she said, you think maybe when daddy moves out, we can get a pet? <laughs> <laughs> I said to her, Eleanor, you're gonna move out before daddy's moving out. So she was always, you know, trying to, to win the day. And sometimes she did, but I was a firm parent, I must say. Wow, well done. We're gonna to switch to Ali the physio if, as she's here and just take a couple of exercises, give you a glass of chance for a glass of water. Tracy, you. I, are you there, Ali? And can I'm you- here. I'm, I'm here, I don't know what happened last time. Sorry about that. Well, Perhaps you were I'll... just doing that fabulous <laughs> exercise and you, brought, you, you psyched out your broadband. I think that's actually what happened. At the same time as the dog jumped up as well so just as well you didn't see that so um let's ignore leg exercises and do some neck exercises i know i always bore you with this but it's so important you know it's cold you want to be all rounded and keep cozy 
and then you're stretching all those muscles in your neck and not moving them properly. Remember, shoulder blades back and down. I love it when I say this because everybody sits up, it's great. <laughs> I'm gonna put everybody on gallery view and check the body language that everyone's doing this exercise. So uh, you're gonna be caught on camera. Come on, Wilkie, so just get a grip. Nice shoulders relaxed, nice space between the ears and the shoulders, shoulder blades back and down. And then in that position, you can take a nice breath in, just expand those lungs and then breathe out. Just get your rib cage moving a bit. Do that again, big breath in and out. And already you've opened up your oxygen, your chest, you've got more oxygen levels, make you feel more awake. And then you can give yourself a little stretch or a big stretch actually. Just take your head right round to one side and hold that for a few seconds. Back to the center and then round to the other side. And just feel that lovely stretch all down from the ear right down to the shoulder and back to the center. And then just take your shoulders in a backward circle and let them relax. And then one more deep breath. And out. And then you're good to go. So if you do that after half an hour or 45 minutes at your computer, then you'll feel much more awake and you won't have a stiff neck at the end of the day if you're spending a lot of time working at the PC. So there you are. There's one little stretch for you. Now, what's the benefit of stretching? Let's go back to some basics for people like me that always forgets what you've told me after I've left your, uh, after I've left your clinic. Okay, so if you're talking about stretching, when you're sitting, it's basically if you sit in one position all the time, your muscles become tense and the, the fibers become shorter. So after a while, they get set like that. And this isn't good for your joints or for your muscles or for anything. So if you stretch them out, um, you actually lengthen those fibers and you feel much better. So that's the sitting at the computer type of thing. But if you're out exercising, um, you know, you use those muscles, the fibers are working hard. So afterwards, if you give them a little stretch, then they will feel much more relaxed the next day. You won't have what we call DOMS, day after, day of, I forgot what it stands for. Anyway, it means pain after exercise, stiffness in your muscles the next day. So it's just important to stretch them out because all the time you're using them or contracting them, they become quite stiff. So it's important to stretch out the fibers. Makes a, diff makes a big difference. Okay, and one last question. So uh, sports, uh, sports uh, men and sports women now take ice baths straight after uh, playing games. What does that do to the muscles? Oh, well, you see, that's a bit controversial because actually that's, they're not doing that anymore because they decided perhaps it wasn't such a great idea. My, really? theory, my theory is that they, the guys just, or girls just didn't like it. So they stopped doing it. But the idea was that you um, take away any inflammation because actually when you really use a muscle hard, you're, you're causing lots of tiny little micro tears in the fibers of the muscle when you're really contracting it. So if you're a sprinter and you've really gone for it, you've probably got some minor abrasions in your muscles, if you like. So the idea of the ice was to actually um, take the swelling down if there was any after exercise, but it's a kind of controversial thing. Some people think it's great, others are not so keen. I actually am not so keen, except in elite athletes where they really have really pushed themselves hard. Most of my patients like Derek are, what should we call the weekend athletes? Would that be good? Or? I thought you were <laughs> going to put Godfrey and I into that elite athlete class. <laughs> no, nearly, nearly. You're almost there, guys. Not quite. But we're really <laughs> disappointed, Ali. Really disappointed. Um, perhaps we, we, I, if you can stay on, we'll come back to you. But uh, I'm going to switch back to Tracy. If you're there, Tracy, and I'm muted. Um, Tracy, um, you do a lot of voiceover, you told me, and um, tell me a bit, tell us a bit about that. How does that work? Well, voiceover work is rich work. You get to their books on tape, 
there are uh, corporate videos, educational videos that you can record, television commercials. Um, and I really have focused on corporate work. A, a woman named Rhea Feiken, who was a longtime newswoman who I met early in my career, she said, no matter what you do, when you get out of TV news, don't get into commercial work. Because if you do commercial work, if you're on camera doing commercials, people will never take you seriously as a newswoman again. And I really appreciated that piece of advice. And so I've done voice, I do radio and TV commercials, um, but it's only voiceover, it's not on camera. And it's, it's wonderful, it's a way to interpret a story that someone has written. For a long time, I produced corporate videos myself. So I wrote them and produced them and hosted them and voiced, voiced them. Uh, but now mostly I do my own video, uh, a monthly video, and that's really the only voice work that I do. Occasionally I'll do have a client back East in on the East Coast, but for the most part, the Confidence Project keeps me, me busy. But you know what you all, we all speak for a living. Unless we are writers and we live in a room and we never communicate with people, on some level, we all, we are all public speakers. And that's really what voiceover work is about. I do have a, my own voice coach. Uh, her name is Linda Bryce. She's a world-renowned voice coach for singers and speakers. And she has taught me a lot about the breath work. Allie was talking about taking a deep breath. I mean, the most of our power comes from the center, comes from our diaphragm. And when we get nervous, we tend to breathe up here. We try to get all the breath up in the upper part of our chest, but the real power comes in your belly. So that was a game changer for me when I learned that I could get more energy, more, more agency uh, by speaking, by getting more breath in the middle part of my body. So I, I love voice work. It's fun. You get to interpret what people are writing. And, um, and I think, you know, our voices are part of our personal and professional identity. How we sound and the words we use make a big impact on what people think about us. Fantastic. And, and you're a lifelong learner, like everybody on here, almost everybody on the uh, on the chat shows, uh, lifelong learners. Isn't it interesting? We learn things. You learned that after you were a news anchor about yes. leaving to keep cool. And we all sometimes wish we knew things before, but we have to keep learning. Exactly. That's right. The other piece is that Linda taught me that um, that you can get into a, a meditative state with four deep belly breaths and you know, before I'm doing anything important like this, this is a, this can be anxiety producing. I'm meeting people from all over the world and I want to be able to be of service to you. You know, those of us who are public speakers, it's, it's not about, it's not so much about our message. It's more being in service to you. Like, what do you need to hear? And what I've, I always try to prepare myself so that my anxiety gets lowered by deep breathing. And then Derek, you and I talked about power posing. Power posing is a technique that was researched by Amy Cuddy and she's a social psychologist. And some people have felt that her research wasn't duplicatable. But I find when I stand like this for two minutes with my arms, with my hands on my hips or my arms up in the air, that I feel more confident. I feel more ready to present to you. Absolutely, Tracy, and I agree with you totally. And before I do a talk or a speech, I walk around with my hands on my hips, hoping that the uh, delegates won't see me and think they've got some stark reigning loony going to speak to them. But actually, I, I rationalised it, and an animal makes itself bigger 
to become more confident, a cat or a dog when it's under threat. Um, and therefore that's all we're doing, aren't we? We're making our body bigger and the mind-body connection is immediate. And therefore we're uh, creating hormones and endorphins in our brain to make us feel more confident. And- um, Well, Derek, uh, I also read an interesting study out of the University of British Columbia and San Francisco State University that said even blind runners do this when they cross the finish line. So when we feel good, we take up space, we puff out our chest. And what we tend to do before something that's important, an interview, a difficult conversation, making a presentation, is we tend to hover over our devices. Let me check one more email. Let me look at my text. And that pulls us into what Amy Cuddy calls a personal powerlessness pose. So to Ali's point, the more we can pull our shoulders down and away from our ears and, and have our, what else did you say, Ali? We have to have our shoulder blades back. Yeah, um, shoulder blades back. Absolutely. Yeah, the better we can feel. It's as if our body is telling our mind that we can do it. If we depended on our mind to say, good job, you can do this. We have that mean, I mean, most of us, I do, have that mean girl in my head who says you shouldn't, and, and Kate was talking about that last week, Kate Atkins, about the imposter syndrome, or I like the way you refer to it, Kate, you refer to it as the imposter phenomenon, because it's that chatter, it's not a syndrome. That was enlightening. Thank you for that, Kate. Uh, but it, if we waited for our minds to tell our bodies we could do something, we wouldn't. So let our bodies go to work for us. And then we give off that air of confidence, both for ourselves and for other people. I love it. I think so exercise helps our thinking process. And when we come back to Ali, but I want to ask you a couple of questions. I want Ali to tell, tell us about this app she recommended to me called Headspace, because the whole thing about Headspace is about breathing. And in fact, it puts me in a meditative state almost in about a minute. And I sort of fall asleep or go into alpha state. So uh, Ali, if that's okay. But be before we do that, Tracy, um, Tell me about the confidence project, but just tell me before you mentioned when we first met about uh, getting school children into your house and you thought <laughs> two or three would come and you right. had half a school. Yeah, well, uh, some uh, women I know here in Portland, Oregon had uh, created a women's leadership program and they wanted to invite college graduates, women to come to Portland. They all interviewed and six women were accepted into this program. And it was a year long program. They lived in community. They had paid internships. They did community service. And they said to me, Tracy, would you, this was seven years ago, would you host an etiquette evening? And I said, absolutely. Anything to promote civility in the world. So these six young women came to our house and I thought I would literally skim over. How do you introduce yourself? How do you introduce someone else? How do you join a conversation that's already started? How do you know when not to join a conversation and so forth? And Derek, these young women, well-educated, looked at me like they'd never heard this before. And after about a half an hour, I said, would you all like to have a workshop and you can bring your friends and we'll practice some of these skills. And they said, great. One month later, I had 30 young people in our living room. And I looked around the room and I said, does any, and I only knew those six, those six women. I didn't know anybody else. And I said, does anybody know why you're here tonight? And somebody raised their hand and said, I heard this is a crash course in becoming a grown up. 
<laughs> and I thought, there is a business here. And of course, it started with young women, but it has expanded to men and women of all ages. Now I do a lot of corporate work because I find that um, it, some people never learn the skills and they can be learned. That's the beautiful part of confidence. It can be learned. I mean, there's a part of it that's in our genes. That's a part of the personality we were born with. But the rest of us comes from rest of it comes from taking action. And and it's an equal opportunity project. It doesn't matter how much schooling you have or where you come from or what neighborhood you grew up in or what your parents did for a living, confidence can be learned. And I love that. So once you learn these skills, sometimes you get out of practice. And what I found that there are a lot of young people who aren't familiar with these skills and it's gone way beyond how do you introduce yourself? It's how do you stand up for yourself? How do you speak truth to power? What do you do if you're constantly interrupted? You know, it's, it's it, the whole world has expanded. How do you give feedback? That's a big part of what we do. But what I found is that if you get out of practice, then it's hard to kind of up those skills again. And what I find in my work is that there are a lot of people who are um, in the early to mid part of their careers. They're in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, and 60s, and, and they, and they're saying, I'm not getting promoted, or I feel like I'm invisible, or I'm not taken seriously. And then we begin to talk about how they present themselves, how they show up in the room, and how that can affect what people think of them in terms of their confidence and their competence. Because if we don't, if we don't enter with confidence, then people assume wrongly that we may not be competent when we are. So that was a long answer. I started with young women. Now I work with people of all ages and I love the work. And I've always said it's the second best job I've ever had. You know, raising our daughters was the best. This is the second best. Fantastic. Well, we'll um, we'll switch back to uh, Surrey and back to uh, back to Ali and then we'll come back to you, Tracy, if that's OK. Please. Ali. Hey, you want to know about the about Headspace, don't you? So. Well, I thought the others might want to know about okay. it because you recommended it to me. I was my usual skeptical self, but tried it, and uh, I uh, I bought the uh, I bought it for a year, and I use it every day. Okay, so it's basically a mindfulness app, and it's the probably the original mindfulness app um, made by a chap called Andy, um, who is a psychologist, but actually learned the for himself because he needed it because he was having some difficult times and I recommend it to loads of my patients because it's great if you've got a lot going on in your life you've got pain that is taking a while to go away it's just too much on and you can't quiet your mind and especially I think in these this Covid year that we've had where there's lots of anxieties you know sometimes the voices in the head keep chatting and you can't calm down so it's about learning to um, not listen to those things and as Derek did say earlier you use it basically by doing breathing but it's a little bit like, imagine you were sitting by um, the motorway or the freeway if you're in the States, lots of noisy traffic and you, know, you can hear it really loudly. If you then practice the mindfulness, the freeway doesn't change, the motorway doesn't change, the noise is there, but you don't hear it because your mind has taken you somewhere else. And it's actually a really useful technique. My elder son's um, a psychiatrist and he uses it himself and he gets all, a lot of his patients to use it too. But it's for anybody. It's not you don't have to have a mental health issue. It's basically to help you to uh, calm your mind a bit, actually, and just and take yourself away from those thoughts that you don't want to think about at the moment. And if Derek can do it, 
I promise you, anyone can do it. <laughs> Thanks for that, Ali. It's always nice to come on and uh, uh, get some stick from all the guests. Um, and also, it would clearly take your heartbeat down and your blood pressure down, wouldn't it? Yeah, right it does. Cool. Does it does all those things? It just it just um, stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the one that gives you all the endorphins and the calming bits, and calms down all the. Um, the sympathetic nervous system which can get very when you're anxious you get you know you breathe too quickly etc so it is actually a um, very useful thing to have fantastic and one last uh, one last exercise before we go back to uh, to tracy okay so we just did some um things for our neck let's try some things for a little bit lower down the back so basically just put your hands across your front and then take yourself all the way around and when you get there take a big breath in Breathe out and return. Make sure those shoulder blades are down and nice and relaxed. And then round to the other side. Take a big breath in. And as you breathe out, return. And that means that you've stretched already this evening, you've stretched your neck and your thoracic spine. And that didn't, took us, what, three minutes? Not long at all. So thank Brilliant. you. Brilliant. Thanks, Ali. Um, you can stay on we'll come back to you uh, once we switch the recording off um a last question i guess is um are you uh, i saw that that south african variant of covid was in the next postcode to you are you totally locked down or have you still got your clinical oh sorry you're still talking to me sorry beg your pardon um yeah actually it's next door to it's the postcode next door to us but we're still working because we have all the ppe and we screen patients very carefully so um we're confident that it's safe to come and see us but we are saying to people, if you don't need to come in, let's have a video conference. But if you really need to see us, then that's absolutely fine because um, we can keep you safe. So it's a bit of a worry, but it, I think it's under control. But then I'm not sure they've said that yet, have they? So, no. But it's safe where we are. So. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Um, so uh, Tracy, back to you. You're on mute at the moment, I think. So if you can unmute yourself. So you've written a book and you've been running the Confidence Project for seven years and uh, you're a friend now of Patricia Fripp she's been I know she's been helping you with um, with a massive talk that you've got to uh, deliver uh, tell us about the book and the confidence project uh, thank you uh, well the book is really came from an idea from my own business coach who's Mark LeBlanc and Derek did you say Mark has been on your program no but I know Mark LeBlanc he's been over to uh, speak at the uh, speaking conference over here yeah, so uh, Patricia Fripp and Mark LeBlanc and I and thousands of other people are members of the National Speakers Association in the United States. And I've been working with Mark for about a year, a year and a half. And when COVID hit, I, I really thought I was gonna lose my business because everything I did was in front of large groups of people, helping them to connect and communicate with each other. And I looked at Mark one day, like all of us, we were, I felt like I was walking in mud for weeks. And I looked at Mark on a video call and I said, with my head in my hands, and I said, I, I don't think I can, I don't think I can go on. I mean, I can meet with my one-on-one -on -one clients virtually easily, but in terms of group, I think this could, I don't know. And I said to him, I, I I guess I need to come up with a new hello. And he said, Tracy, <laughs> that's the name of your book. You got to call it the new hello. And, and that's what happened. We developed the new hello, what to say and what to do in the new world of work. And it really is a pocket guide, a companion for 
feeling comfortable as we go back into the office um, and or virtu working virtually or some hybrid. And it's really pro tips and stories and skills and language that you can use to feel comfortable and confident in this new world of work. Have you got the book there? Hold it up. I do. You must have it there. You're, you're, you're American. I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to be a pushy American. I'll tell you that. No, I know. Uh, and you're not. But you know, it's, and you know, this is the way I look at it. It's a chapter book. If you think, okay, I want to boost my language. I want to be a better communicator. That's chapter seven. If you want to practice camera confidence, how can you present yourself with confidence on camera? That's chapter six. So people don't feel like they have to read the whole book. I sent one to you, Derek. I wonder if it's arrived yet. Not, no? not yet, Tracy, but I'm looking forward to it. On its way. And, um, and, it, and what I liked, what I did in this book, which I encourage people to do, is come up with language that you can use. For instance, let's say somebody wants to, still wants to shake your hand or wants to give you a hug. And I've had people do that to me. You know, oh, come on, I haven't had COVID, I'm good. And I'm thinking, I don't wanna hug you. And so what I've taught, what I've learned to say, and what I've taught people to say is put your hand over your chest and say, it's great to see you again today. I'm not ready for hugs, but I'm thrilled we're seeing each other in person. So I give people the language to use because I believe once the words come out of your mouth, once you hear them come out of your mouth, then you know you can say them again. Otherwise we get caught up in our shorts. We don't know what to do. It's the unexpected, it's the unanticipated, awkward experience. And then we feel like we've hurt someone's feelings or we've made someone mad. I mean, if we don't shake someone's hand, I've often said to people, I wanna keep us both safe. Great to see you again. And then move on. I always tell people, don't dwell. Don't dwell on, sorry, we're not gonna shake hands. I know this feels really awkward. Say what you're gonna say and move on. My words to use, words to lose segment, Derek is really powerful, especially with the whole idea of stop apologizing so much. We're apologizing, at least in the States, I hear people apologizing constantly for things like, uh, sorry, I'm not here to take your message if it's a voicemail, or sorry, I'm like responding to your email, or in the time of COVID um, and we're doing video calls, sorry, I was on mute, sorry about the dog, uh, sorry, my Wi-Fi went down, um, you know, sorry about my messy background. We're apologizing constantly. What and else do we say though, Tracy? Because, you know, we're, very, we're a very polite nation in the UK. Um, we like yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, think about replacing I'm sorry with thank you. Thank you for your patience with my, uh, with my Wi-Fi. Thank you for understanding about the noise my neighbor is putting on a new roof. Thank you for welcoming my crazy cat. Anytime you can say thank you for your patience, thank you for your understanding, uh, thank you for your flexibility. Now, it's a way of acknowledging that someone, that you're appreciative that someone is being patient with you or is being flexible with you. Fantastic. And some people might be wondering how they get this video. You send this video out on, um, on email to, uh, to everybody like my newsletter? Yeah, once a month. In fact, I'm recording the video today. And the, the theme for February is, oh, you know what the theme for February is? Uh, it's about taking um, the, the power, the um, benefit of a power nap. <laughs> there, there have been all kinds of studies that have shown that very influential, successful people in the world 
take some kind of a rest during the day, mm -hmm. whether it's meditation, like Kate was talking, uh, like uh, Ali was talking about, or um, closing your eyes. Winston Churchill, I'm going, I'm going to quote him in my video. He said, people who think that if you take a nap, that you're not being productive. And he calls those people very unimaginative. And uh, so I, what I'm finding is that a lot of the leaders I work with are, and employees are exhausted. We, 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 we thought that we were gonna turn the corner with 2021, but life is essentially the same. We are all, many of us still working from home, working on Zoom and Zoom fatigue is real. And, and I have found in my own life, if, if I take a five or 10 minute power nap, I, I'm ready to go for the rest of the day. But it, we feel guilty about that. Like I'm not a really ambitious person if I don't power through the whole day. Anyway, that's a long way of saying, yes, I have monthly videos that go out the first or second Thursday of the month. And if Derek, you can be on it, if they, put their, um, if they put their email address in the, uh, in the chat box, I'll make sure that uh, you get that and you can uh, put them on there. Thank you. Uh, is that a deal? Um, talking about power naps, of course, so you're right, Winston Churchill did take power naps four or five times a day. He also took a little bit of whiskey with them. I think he had whiskey for breakfast. And the other thing is that- I won't uh, be promoting that. Yeah, our Prime Minister Boris Johnson's been um, in the press saying, denying, his people have been denying he has a power nap as that was weakness. Um, uh -huh. I think he does have a power nap because of course he was his, his hero. Uh, was uh, Winston Churchill and some people don't know that he wrote a book about uh, Churchill he's the author of a book which is a really interesting book it shows some of the uh, negotiations that Churchill got up to in the second world war which is uh, fascinating so um, may, may, may I share a story that my uh, my husband's grandmother used to tell please. she was a devoted a devoted follower of Winston Churchill. She read every book ever written about him and he wrote and so forth. And this is what she used to say. She would say, anyone who thinks that Winston Churchill is not the most brilliant, eloquent, um, uh, enthusiastic man in the world is an idiot. What do you think, Derek? <laughs> That's what she would say. She loved Winston Churchill. So I've learned something about him from her. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, very interesting. We've got a few things in the chat box, uh, Tracy. I'll just run through those quickly. Alex Kent says singing is really good training to help with speaking. Paul says voice from the diaphragm. Is that why it's better as a presenter to be standing? That's an interesting question, because uh, often when I present on Zoom, I push everything back and stand up. Yes, it's much better to stand up. I'm sitting down now, and it's mostly because of the confines of my office. I have a shelf above me, um, but I've thought about that. Maybe I could try that. Let me see. Well, that's Ali, my, Ali was nodding at the same time, watching the body language. Um, yeah. You have to get How's the camera that? right. So, so yeah, don't and worry. You can see me better. Sure. But it's a, it's a complicated <laughs> it's a complicated setup at World Headquarters for the Confidence Project. You all, I'll show you behind the scenes. So here I have a lot of light on this side because I have two big windows. But I have and I have a shade that I pull down. But I have no light on this side, so I have to have a ring light. And I've covered the ring light in parchment paper, which you get at the grocery store, because that softens the that softens the light and it's also good for people who wear glasses 
so we don't have to see the ring light in our eyes. Um, I, I'm in a, a quite a small space. I have actually a cabinet open above me and a light inside the cabinet, which I'm turning on to try to get more light on my face. Well, we you didn't think we were going to be doing this, did we, everybody? We never thought it was going to be like this all day, every day. No, and it's uh, almost a year. The uh, 22nd of March uh, program is going to be exactly a year since uh, since I did my very first program. So I think we're going to have a party and see if we can get everybody on as possible to say, say to share things. Um, Kate Atkins says civility is so important. There's a powerful TED talk on the effects of incivility by Christine Porath, and then Kate has put the link into the uh, into the chat box. And Tim Durkin says also check out Insight Timer Act. Over ten thousand meditations for just about any situation as going to sleep, waking up. It's free. Um, Ava in New Mexico says I use the Timer app as well. Um, is there an ebook version of the new Hello so people could download that on the Kindle? Um, Alex asks. Yes, thank you. It, I believe it will be ready next week. Uh, we uh, put everything into the system. There were some errors, um, and we had to fix those, or they had to fix those. And I will let you know, Derek, and then you can pass it along to everyone. But yes, okay. thank you. And true to my training, I hope to voice uh, the new Hello as well. And I'll let you know when that comes out, the audiobook will be available at some point. Brilliant. Kate agrees with you. Great idea to say thank you for your patience, understanding, flexibility. It's so nice to say thank you, isn't it? A lot of people in the UK, a um, lot of younger people say, oh, it was nothing or no worries when they do things. And I, I try and take them aside and, and tell them what the problem is. But they look at me like, it's like, go away, granddad. That's the sort of... Um, so there's a lot of email addresses in the chat box for uh, for you to they, lots of people want your video, uh, Tracy. Wow, we must make sure right. I'll save this. Uh, I love I'll save this in a minute. Uh, for... Derek, may I offer may I offer a skill about accepting a compliment with confidence? Please. Yeah, thinking back on what you said moments ago about it was nothing. How often have you been in a situation where someone says? you did a fabulous job and you hear the other person say, oh, pff, nah, it was nothing. I mean, it was all the team. I'm just an add-on. Well, think about what that means. Now you are lowering your status, so to speak, because it's as if you don't think you're good enough to have had a good presentation. And the person you're, who's, get, who's given you the compliment also status has lowered. It's as if, well, maybe I don't have good taste. Maybe she didn't give a good presentation. Maybe that wasn't great. And now both of you feel deflated as opposed to when someone said, you did a great job, that project was fabulous. You could say, thank you so much. You know, I worked really hard on it and I had great support from the team. Thank you for recognizing. And now everybody feels better. That person's grateful that you accepted their compliment with confidence. And you feel better too, because it's real. Most of the time people don't give you compliments if it's not genuine. I mean, God knows people are critical of each other all the time. So when someone says something good to us, accept it with confidence. Thank you. I'm really glad you recognize that. That's, that's one of my skills and I appreciate you recognizing it. For you to say that that's one of my skills, that's wonderful. People, you know, and confidence is contagious. People want to be around people who, 
who feel good about themselves because it elevates everybody in the room. I think the last five minutes for people watching this on YouTube or listening to this on the podcast, they might want to rewind that and listen to that really carefully and then put it into their um, into their vocabulary, into their mindset, uh, etc. I've saved the chat because an awful lot of people want your video. About 20 people want your video. So uh, that's that's worked. Um, Tracy, we nearly come to the end of the official interview and I'm going to stop the recording in a minute. Have you got one last tip for everybody? A one, one minute tip. Um, I can see from your uh, eyes that I've caught you unawares there. So uh, that's no, no. good. Uh, one last tip. Well, everyone always asks me, how do you know when to, how do you know when to enter in a, into a conversation? So let's talk about networking, for instance, because that we all still have to network. We still have to stay connected to each other. And one technique that I offer people is if now this is when you're in the real world, if it's in person and two people are talking, um, the, the technique is toe to toe means no. So if two people are toe to toe and their eyes are engaged, that means they don't want to be interrupted. But if somebody's foot is turned out to the side and they're gesturing a little bit, that's the classic nonverbal cue that you you can enter the conversation and say something as simple as, may I join you? May I join you? You don't need to apologize. Sorry for bothering you. I hope I'm not butting in. No, may I, may I join you? I heard you talking about confidence. And, and that's a way where you can enter a conversation with confidence and not be pushy, but be pleasant. Absolutely. How about that for a helpful tip? That's a brilliant tip. Thank you so much. Tracy Hooper, thanks for joining us today. Pleasure. Next week, we have Matt Tunbridge, the uh, car expert, showing us what we do wrong when we uh, negotiate a car. And the week after, we've got Chris Cooper, who's done 400 interviews on Voice of America. And the week after that, we've got uh, my friend, the uh, finance guru with the red braces, Justin Urquhart-Stewart. So I hope you can... Uh, Join me at 5 p.m. on Monday. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this uh, on my podcast. And thanks for watching it on YouTube. And finally, to Ali the Physio, thanks for joining us. Tracy Hooper from Portland, Oregon. Thank you very much.